Hello and welcome to the In The Pen podcast, a podcast about relievers, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. My name is Jay Crumpler, and as always, I'm joined by Pitcherless bullpen expert, Rick Graham. Rick, it's been a couple weeks. What have you been up to? How do you feel about the Chris Sale addition for or for the Braves, I guess, <laughs> uh, subtraction from the Red Subtraction. <laughs> yeah, um, it's, yeah, What's what's been going on? It's a happy new year. It's been, it's been, uh... It's been a while. Um, yeah, I haven't talked to you since last year. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So sale. Um, you know, it's like the moves the Red Sox have made doesn't hasn't been a lot, but I have no issues with any move they've made so far. It's just can we make some? Can we make some more moves? Can we like especially with Emanaga signing and the details of that contract just coming out mm. right before we started this? It's that's so and, and right there, there's you know reports that he took less money to go to the cubs so maybe he was out of the red sox control but i just i don't know man i just that that that's a guy that should have been here um i some i somehow kind of now worry that they just overspend on blake snell to like because the fans are losing their mind and like they might try to do something crazy to yeah you know what i mean and you worry about that sort of situation, but mm-hmm. um, sale. I mean, getting Vaughn Grissom's interesting. If he can stick at second base, especially that's that's I, I'm fine with that. I mean, um, I think you you know replacing him with Giolito's fine as well. That's great, but you still need to add to the rotation. It's still still a work in progress. Yeah, definitely. The Blake Snell point that you mentioned is sort of my biggest fear for the Giants offseason after they mm-hmm. missed out on. Otani and Yamamoto, I figured that they would probably go down the Junghuli and Blake Snell path, which is not one that I'm interested in. Not that Blake Snell's not a good pitcher or that Junghuli's not going to be a pretty decent baseball player, but just the money that we're going to have to dole out for Snell, I think it's going to be a big mistake of a, of a contract. That's why I predicted him to go to the Angels because they love bad contracts, but yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Um, I'll apologize to the listeners now for any poor audio quality. I'm currently without my mic, but that's because I am in Hawaii on the Big Island, and mm. I can say my location because I will be gone by the time this is out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've been here for a week, and it's been very relaxing. I think we recorded a podcast while I was here last year. Maybe not. That was on my personal podcast, yeah. but yeah, uh. it's been been a great time, and we also got we, as in the, the Giants, got uh, some positive news as we acquired Robbie Ray in exchange for Anthony DiSclefani, Mitch Haniger, and some cash, which uh, cash considerations, everyone's favorite baseball player. <laughs> but <laughs> it, should, it should be an interesting move. We really won't know really the if that's positive or negative for which side until probably a couple of years from now as both Hanniger and Robbie Ray have another year on their contract. I think Ray still has two more after this year, but that, that should be exciting. You know, add a former Cy Young Award winner to the rotation. We'll see how that works out. But that's it for non-relief pitcher news because we are a podcast about relief pitchers. And as always, we will focus on that. As always, we'll go through the transactions from the past couple of weeks. There have not been many. There's still a number of top-of-the-line relief pitchers out on the market, so that should give us a lot of stuff to talk about through the rest of the winter and into the spring. But the main event of our show will be discussing underperformers and overperformers. We did this last year, so 
sort of follow the same line as that as we'll talk about guys that underperformed their expected ERA metrics. So mostly just ERA versus XFIP. Just look at some guys that were unlucky in the ERA department and lucky in the ERA department on the other side. Uh, but first, as always, we'll uh, discuss some transactions, and we can start with the Padres signing Wusuk Go to a two-year, $4.5 million contract. He's coming over from Korea. It's the second foreign relief pitcher that they've signed so far this offseason after they got was it Yuki Matsui. Pretty interesting Matsui, bullpen that yeah. they're building up there. Do you see – how do you – do you just go go as the last name or is Wusak's a hyphenated when you do it the other way around? Go is the last yes, name. I believe. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Cause I, don't, I, I, I feel like our podcast might get shut down if I call him suck go for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> um, but so I'll just go with go. That works fine with me. He was a big time closer in Korea for the past few years. He's been pitching since a very young age and he's still really young. And it'll be interesting to see how he plays into that bullpen because after an offseason that started with this team looking like it was just Robert Suarez and that was all they were going to have, they've added Eniel De Los Santos, Wusak Go, and Yuki Matsui. So it's becoming a pretty interesting bullpen, one that has you know very varying levels of projected success. This is you know probably low floor, high ceiling bullpen right here. But do you think? Go can factor into the closer role, or do you think he needs some seasoning on the major league side of baseball and uh, sort of allowing the team to see him before they can really start to trust him with the closer role? Yeah, I, I think it's, I don't, you know, despite who was it, was it Heyman who said that he's, they expect him to be the closer? I don't, I don't trust that guy. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't. I don't I don't see that being the case at all. Um I think he at best at least entering camp is like the third in line behind Matsui and Suarez. Just mm-hmm. looking at what Suarez is ma- I mean Suarez is making almost 10 million a year and Matsui Matsui has a good contract, the, the team friendly contract, but he's still making, you know, it's not it's not 2 million a year that uh goes making, so mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's the real closer races between Matsui and Suarez to start with, but um, you know, go. He's only he's only twenty five. He's you know got a good fastball from all reports. Um, we'll see what happens. I, I mean, it's it's a different transition, for, especially for pitchers coming from the KBO than coming from <clears throat> Japan, going from the MPB. It's it's definitely a little bit more challenging. So, um. It'll be interesting to see what he looks like in the spring, but I don't think I'm looking at him as a closer right now. If you're in like a really 16 team, you know, deep league and you want to take a dart, throw a dart at the end of the draft on him. Sure. That, that that's fair, but I don't, I, I think Suarez and Matsui is the real closer competition competition right now. Yeah, I agree. And I could definitely see, you know, them going with a platoon situation in the closer spot until they really figure things out. But yeah, this is exciting. This is an exciting bullpen. I'm super pumped to see both him and Matsui pitch for the first time in spring training. So we can see what kind of stuff they're working with, but it's a very interesting bullpen. I think this is one where smart fantasy drafters can 
really get a leg up on the rest of the competition by, you know, sort of guessing this one right or keeping up with the news right. so that they can, you know, come out of, come out on top with, on that one. We also had another high upside trade as the Dodgers traded lefty reliever Brian Hudson to the Brewers. Uh, I forget what the return was for that, but either way, that's a super high upside. I'm really pumped to see what Hudson can do for the Brewers. It seemed like he just didn't really have a spot in the Dodgers bullpen as a lefty. They already had Vic- well, they had Victor Gonzalez. Now they have Vesia and Caleb Ferguson, and they were sort of blocking him out of joining that bullpen as the top left-handed option. But this is a guy with legit strikeout stuff. He's still pretty young and obviously probably was running out of options is likely why they traded him. Yeah, they had to DFA him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that the Brewers could turn him into a legit weapon. They have been known to either bring unknown relievers or relievers that haven't found a lot of success in other places and turn them into beasts. But also they're they're great at just developing players in general. And, And Hudson's still pretty young. Right now, the bullpen is sort of loaded with Abner Rebe, Hobie Milner, Trevor McGill, Yoel Piomps, and Devin Williams. Do you think he cracks the opening day roster? And what's the likelihood that he actually joins the, you know, back end of that bullpen? Uh, I don't think he's. I don't think he's an opening day option. He still, yeah, he still has two options left, so he they can kind of stash him in the minors for now. Um. Yeah, that bullpen looks pretty set. I mean, even Taylor Clark's an interesting. Uh, I think that's an interesting potential, you know, guy the Brewers can put into their pitching lab and turn into uh, have some success there. So mm-hmm. there's not really a spot. However, there's only it's only Milner. Hoping Milner's the only lefty. Um, so if mm-hmm. they're looking for a second lefty, or something happens to Milner, then Hudson. If I Hudson makes the most sense, especially if, you know, if Ashby sticks in the rotation, which he should. Um, there's some other lefty options here that I, you know, I mean, small is also like a starter reliever mix. Clayton Andrews, I don't know much about. So, yeah, Hudson, um, it's only 26, so he's going to be 27. Um, I see he's a big, he's a big guy who throws throws pretty hard has you know big strikeout numbers in the minors yeah it's it's kind of interesting oh, yeah. that the Dodgers gave up on him uh this early but I mean the Dodgers are obviously in you know win now mode so it's it's you know they had to they had to move someone off the roster so it's a good good pickup by the Brewers potentially paying off long term yeah um, I'm excited to be able to root for him now that he's out of LA and I think he go. could be a, a sneaky guy that, that maybe gets some holds down the stretch and, and maybe has a breakout season. He'll be 27. Like you said, the last signing we'll talk about is a very minor one as the Yankees signed Cody Poteet to what seems to be a split deal. One year, $750,000. If he's in the majors, I think it's two fifty. if he's in the minors, <laughs> not a household name, not one that really turned heads, but I think what did turn heads was the fact that he got a major league deal when, in my opinion, didn't seem like a guy that really required or, or was deserving of that. I He did not pitch in 2023, at least not in the majors. And when he was pitching in the past for the Marlins, he was 
a starter most of the time and not a great one. 4.45 ERA across 58 and two-thirds innings for his career in the majors. He'll be 29 this next year. Yeah, last year he pitched just two innings, one start for the Royals in AAA, so he must have undergone Tommy John surgery. Either way, I, I, I don't know. It, it seems like he's going to open the year with the team just because he got a major league deal, but do you think this is fantasy relevant at all any any possibility <laughs> i don't i don't think so it's just um how did so he went under, underwent tommy john in august of 22 so he came back for a, at the end of last year i believe um but how like this is we just spent the last time we we recorded was uh before new year's in december mm-hmm. right after christmas and this is all that's happened there's so many free agents out there. This is I know. the third guy on the list is Cody Petit signing. I mean, why it's been frustrating. I want to see some of these bigger names sign so we can start hashing yeah. out how these bullpens are going to look. Um, but yeah, I don't think, I mean, he, he might be up and down this year for the Yankees, but I don't see him. He still has three options apparently. So um, if he's on the 40, man, they could kind of, you know, yeah, he'd probably just be an up and down guy for them at best. Yeah, I I think the only the, the upside I see is he could be like the the next swingman and following in the footsteps of Chad Green and Michael King, but that's uh, lofty expectations to live up to, and I, I wouldn't bet yes. any sort of money on that. But I won't let our listeners be surprised by something like that. Cody Poteet has the possibility to work multiple innings out of the bullpen. We'll see how that works out. We have not really seen him pitch in the majors in quite a while. But we'll move on to our last transaction, and it was the Rays trading Andrew Kittredge to the Cardinals for one of the Palacioses. Uh, there's two of them, so they're, they're hard to keep straight. Um, but the Cardinals land Andrew Kittredge, who was a pretty legit reliever for the Rays in 2021. And then uh, what? Do you know what injury he had that, that took him out for most of 2023 um, and 2022? It was uh, it was definitely it was elbow or shoulder related. I let me see. Yeah, it was uh it was also yeah, it was uh which Pal- it was Richie Palacios. Um mm-hmm. so, yeah, Kittredge had Tommy John and returned okay. last August. So he missed second half of 2022, first half of 2023. Yes. Um, and it looks like he lost a little bit of velo. He was at 95 and a half in 2021, was down to 94 and a half. Um, you know, could still need to be ramping up. But I wouldn't say that the bullpen in St. Louis is super crowded. Obviously, we got our guy Jojo Romero there. And the two uh, guys that have been there forever, Ryan Helsley and Giovanni Gallegos. But outside All of right. that, it seems like Kittredge could be the next option for holds. Is this the guy that's going to land on your hold rankings? Probably not. Definitely not in the top 100 to start. Um, it's an interesting, yeah. I mean, former All Star who did not look like himself when he came back last year, but now, you know, a full year removed. Let's see, you know, maybe he can, you know, ramp back up this year. And I'm, you know, I, I still like, I, I think 
Gallegos and Jojo Romero are the top two setup options there. But Kittredge, mm-hmm. if it's a need, they definitely needed some more depth in the bullpen. Uh, he's worth a shot. I, you know, I think this is yeah, this is last year, so he's going to be a free agent next season. Um, you know, got a contract to pitch for as well. Um, yeah, let's, let's see if the stuff comes back and if he can regain some of that magic from 2021 when he's an all-star. Yeah, it's uh, probably unlikely, but <laughs> definitely worth a shot. Uh, that, that bullpen has the potential to be interesting, especially if Tayante can yeah. lean into the, the ground balls. Yeah, he should be. I mean, he was the top ground ball guy last year, but if he can just, mm-hmm. you know, shore up some other things. And I believe he's been working... I don't know if he's been working at Driveline or Tread. He's been, they've, I've been seeing some videos of him, you know, pop up on Twitter here and there, and uh, pretty. It's kind of exciting. I'm, not, I'm not even close to like touching him in holds leagues yet, but um, yeah, the, there's, there's some intriguing stuff there if he can figure, figure mm-hmm. it out. Yeah, yeah, and he was pretty unlucky last year. Bad up of three twenty. His exit was almost a, a full run below his ERA, and I will use that as a perfect segue into our main event of the evening. But first, we're going to take a quick break. And we're back. Jake Crumpler here with Rick Graham on In the Pen. We just went over our transactions for relievers over the past couple of weeks, and now we'll get into the crux of the show, which is underperformers and overperformers amongst relievers last season. As I said at the top of the show, we will be comparing ERA versus XFIP. Uh, there is, you know, discussion to have around which ERA estimator is the best. I think XFIP for me is the easiest to understand just because I know how FIP works and I know what is changing when you put the X on FIP. Um, but it's also one of the most, one, one of the best that you know, projecting future performance. And I think it really shows which pitchers were unlucky or, or lucky, but we'll start off with the guys that were unlucky. So if you're trying to think of this in a draft sense, these are the guys that might be undervalued in drafts because a lot of people tend to look at the surface numbers, which in this case would be ERA and write those kinds of pitchers off. But these could be potential breakouts if they pitch closer to their XFIP in 2024. I think we just start off at the top of the list because there's one guy that stands out amongst the rest, almost a full run difference ahead of the second place guy. Aaron Bummer had a 6.79 ERA last year and a 3.51 XFIP. That's three and a quarter runs difference there. And this one is doubly interesting because not only is he getting out of Chicago, which has seemed to suck the life out of a lot of relievers recently, but he's going to Atlanta, which likely takes him out of save consideration. But I think he'll be one of the top options in that bullpen uh, if he does pitch closer to that XFIP. Is Aaron Bummer somebody that's going to be on your holds list? And is he a guy that you are going to be keeping an eye on as possibility that he pitches closer to his estimators yeah um for sure there is a little bit and i have to dive a little bit deeper with him but this was an extreme year but i do feel like his estimators typically are always a little bit lower than what he finishes the year at. so he's a ground ball guy so he has to rely a lot on babbitt yeah 
so yeah with the exception uh, i guess a couple i guess it like fluctuates every year but um mm-hmm. yeah i i mean yeah i i'm i would definitely buy back in on him i mean he is he was pretty lights out from 2019 to 2022 and mm-hmm. uh last year definitely just seems a little bit fluky and as you know the walk rate ticked up but you know the strikeouts actually were better than they have been in the past is you know the sweeper had a 45 percent whiff rate um and now he's i mean i think atlanta right now again there's still a ton of free agents out there but i think atlanta's bullpen right now top to bottom probably is the best in baseball so you know he he's you know not gonna have to he's not gonna have to pitch in high leverage situations every like every time they come up there's gonna be other options there's minter as another lefty um even if maddox comes back yeah matzik comes back um healthy yeah, I mean, I, I I still like him for holds because this is obviously a team that's going to win a lot of games, and you know they're going to need everyone in that bullpen to contribute at some point for holds or whatnot. So I think, I mean, between Minter, Lopez, Jimenez, Pierce Johnson, Bummer, those are all you know top interested, you know, top guy. I would say top fifty holds candidates right now, just be, just because we don't know who's going to actually. Other than Minter, we know Minter is going to definitely be, you know, probably the, the top setup guy to start the year. But the, the, those other guys, uh, worth taking a shot on, just given their upside. And you know, if they do end up in that secondary setup role, they there's there's a lot to like there. Yeah, I could definitely see Bummer being in the conversation amongst those other three guys that you mentioned: Lopez, Jimenez, and. Johnson, I I think he's better than Johnson, and I think he's very right. comparable to Jimenez and Lopez. So yeah, definitely a good shot at you know fifteen to to twenty holds with as his ERA estimator suggests a three and a half ERA, and he's a guy that's pushed thirty percent strikeout rates in the past. Super interesting, and I, I'm not even going to check the NFBC ADP because I know there's no chance he's getting drafted. <laughs> But in, in holds leagues, he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on and a guy that maybe you can get at a discount late in your drafts. We'll move on to the next guy, the second highest underperformer, and that's Josh Spores, who had a 5.5 ERA and a 3.19 XFIP. It's a difference of two and a third runs. He was sort of a postseason hero. So there might be a mm. little bit of a postseason tax, which is an article that I wrote uh, a couple months ago. Actually, it was at the beginning of, of December. Either way, he is a guy that you were in love with in the first half of the season, and then he got unlucky and sort of took a step back down the stretch and figured things out again in the postseason. and was really dominant. He, and he was the one who closed out the game, Last the, three the final of, game of the World it, Series. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think he's legit, and to be completely honest, with the current state of the Rangers bullpen, which mm-hmm. we are both expecting that to change, hopefully soon, um, he does have the possibility of becoming the closer. I, the only guy ahead of him is LeClerc, and that's only because he has more experience. So if, if things stand, if things stay where they currently stand, LeClerc's opening the year as the closer, but I think Spores could take it over by May. This is obviously counting out any additions via free agency right. or trade, but I, I think Spores is just better than LeClerc, and that could just be a super 
sneaky addition if you can get him super late in your drafts as a guy that's striking out 30% of batters, you know, could have a low threes ERA and he's just got ridiculous stuff. And I think if you take him late, that's just, that's a super sneaky saves candidate. Right. He's, um, I feel like he, he and, and the other guy on the other side of the, uh, that world series matchup, Kevin Ginkle, who wasn't the closer there, but I feel like these two guys are great. Um, you know, late round dart throws, especially in, you know, deeper roto leagues where you're kind of, all right, like last pick, I'm going to just take a shot on someone who might be closing it by May and mm-hmm. spores. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, you know, if I'm picking between who's the better pitcher right now, LeClerc or spores, it's, it's easily spores, but, um, LeClerc probably gets the head, the, the edge and the closer role for at least to start the season. Um, as of now, I, I do think it makes sense for the Rangers to probably uh, the Rangers make sense for Kenley Jansen. If that trade happens, uh, that that makes a ton of sense. But for now, I feel like, you know, based on their current roster scores is, is the best reliever and probably only a matter of time until, you know, he takes over for Leclerc because Leclerc's been a notorious slow starter, too. I mean, um, every time it feels like he finally has the closer role heading into the season he loses it within the first month or two so <laughs> i mean yeah. it's setting up it to is, be yeah. yeah it's setting up to be really good for sports to to kind of get a chance here depending on you know what the rangers do the, the next two months yeah so that that's definitely a situation to keep an eye on especially you know since we'll have the news cycle with all the free agent signings if the rangers re- actually don't end up adding anybody which would be incredibly surprising since that seems to be the biggest hole and maybe the only hole on the roster. Spores, I, I think, probably has an inside shot at you know being the closer by the middle of the season and then going from there. But so that's uh, it's an exciting one to keep an eye on, especially just looking at the ERA at five and a half. You're going you're to get a pretty big discount. Right. But we can move on to a guy that hasn't been signed. And that's Brad Hand. You know, he's getting older. I, I think a lot of people have lost faith in him there's not the same love that he had when he was killing it with the indians at the time uh he had a five and a half era last year but in 4.01 xfip the difference of one and a half runs he like i said has not been signed but clearly teams were interested in him last year he was on the rockies to open the season which incredible that he was able to to pitch better there than he was with the Braves but he did get traded to the Braves you know a team that's trying to compete so clearly they were trying to win by adding him but I think still even going into his age 34 season there's a little bit of potential there I don't think as a closer anywhere unless he's going to the a- oh maybe he's going to the A's that that uh that actually makes a little bit of sense Ugh. but yeah. Um, hey, at least he'd close. But there, there's a possibility that a, a, a team could sign him to be a holds option or maybe a team without a closer like the A's sign him to trade him at the deadline. Do you have any interest in hand? Like if, if your favorite team were to sign hand, would you feel like he would pitch closer to his ex-fip or do you think he's uh, sort of phasing out of the league? Uh, I think it's maybe, yeah, I think it's closer to his ex-fip than his ERA from last year for sure. I, I've always been, or not always, but you know, the past few seasons, I've been kind of down on hand. I, I think, you know, he started to show some cracks the later years in Cleveland, and that's because Terry Francona used him more than any other reliever that had been used over that, you know, five years he was there. So, um, the, 
I think he's it's now kind of on the other side where maybe he is a little undervalued and he's not going to be a close. He shouldn't be a closer. He probably isn't even like a trustworthy setup option. But as a lefty, if you if you like the Red Sox could probably be using other lefties. There's a couple teams that could use a lefty. And if you know, he's not going to cost you that much. So I, I think he could be a sneaky, sneaky good value uh, in, in free agency this year if, you know, the right team signs him. Yeah, totally agree. We'll move on to the guy that's right below him on the list, and that's Joe Kelly. And this was honestly the guy that I think of most when I think of underperformers, especially from last season. Joe Kelly had a 4.12 ERA, which came with a 2.61 XFIP which is the best on the list of the top 30 underperformers. Uh, pretty incredible. One and a half run difference there. We talked about him, I think, twice so far this offseason. He was he was a free agent, and then he signed with the Dodgers. And I think he's going to be really good next year, which is unfortunate, but I, I think fortunate for fantasy managers that may want to get a discount on a guy that could be – really legit and holds leagues because this is a guy that strikes out 35% of batters. He gets a ton of ground balls. He limits hard contact and he's still just throwing super hard. And I wouldn't say that there's so much competition in that Dodgers bullpen. Obviously Blake Trinan's coming back and so will JP Fireisen, but really, you know, it's just Evan Phillips and Bruce Dark and maybe Alex Messia. So I think Joe Daniel Kelly could Hudson. actually get a decent amount of holds, especially. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, uh, he will be on the team. They, um, they're pretty loaded again, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I still think Kelly could be yes. the best of the bunch. Uh, he, he just, his stuff is so incredible. When I watch him pitch, I have no idea how anybody's <laughs> hitting that. Um, it, obviously, the, the lack of control leads to a lot of walks, but I, I think he can be legit, and if he does pitch closer to his XFIP, and he's like a two-and-a-half ERA guy with a 35% strikeout rate on a team that's going to win – I don't know, somewhere between 120 and 140 games. I think there's going to be a pretty decent amount yeah. of holds for Joe Kelly. I mean, you could argue that last season was his best season of his career, almost. Um, and it's only 39 innings, so it, you know that that has something that factors in for sure. But mm-hmm. uh, highest strikeout rate, 36. percent He averaged 99.2 miles per hour on his fastball, which is the highest of his career in a season. Yeah, uh, and it's a huge jump from 2022, like three miles. Right. I um, I think he and Vez- I think he and Alex Vezier are the top two options to, uh, for holds in that bullpen. I think I think Gratterall is going to get some holds and here, here and there, but I I mean it's just. For me, with Gratterall's not being able to miss bats, it just always scares me. He's going to have a bad year, of it, like because you know he's going to have a bad luck. He's going to have bad luck one year or two. It's going to happen with guys who don't miss bats like that. So, I um, I, I'd rather trust the guys like like Vessi and and Kelly, who who I know can get swings and misses, and at least have some control over you know what they do against hitters instead of. You know, Gratterall just throwing bowling balls up there and getting ground balls. Because next year, I mean, that infield defense, I mean, let's see. If Mookie Betts is above average at second base, then, you know, they might be all right. But the Lux at short's probably a downgrade, definitely a downgrade from Rojas. Um, Muncie at third base. I mean, that that left side could be rough. first base? 
Oh no, they have Freddie Freeman. No, they have Freeman, and Shohei has to DH. Yeah, the yeah. Muncy's stuck at third base, which is so. Yeah, just like a just a, I, I'm not exactly sure how much I like Gratterall or any sinker baller in that in that on that team next oh, year, like but Joe um, Kelly? he's but he gets he's got a 36 percent K rate, yes, and he happens to fair, have a fair. happens to have a 58 percent ground ball rate as well, um, mm-hmm. which is like the best of both worlds. So. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We'll see. He does give up some hard contact. Um, he's pretty good. Yeah. He's at 19.2% hard contact rate last year. That was 44th amongst That's relievers. not bad. So how the it's hell, red uh, on pitcher list. That means it's good. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I, you know, he has no flaws. I don't understand how he had a 4.12 ERA last year and a 6.08 no. ERA two years ago. Yeah, um, pretty pretty wild. It's the home oh, yeah. run fly ball rate at fourteen point three percent. Right, he he's due. Yeah, bottom line, he's due mm-hmm. for uh for a breakout this year. So don't be scared off by that ERA from last year or the the year before. It's it, yeah. it, it should as long as he's healthy. That's really my only concern is him being able to stay on the field for fifty to sixty innings because he hasn't been able to do that very often. Yeah, I don't think the discount will be super high on Kelly, mostly because his ERA isn't as inflated as other guys on this underperformers list. But, you know, if you combine the last two years, the previous year, he had a 6.08 ERA and a 3.16 XFIP. So he's he's been consistently uh, unlucky. So I, I think even just this, the slight discount there could be very beneficial for fantasy teams. We'll run through a few more before we head to the over overperformers. One interesting one is Taylor Clark, who has joined the Brewers via yep. the Royals. And he has had glimpses of looking pretty solid, but he's never really had a fantasy-relevant season. There was a time when he was starting as a rookie, um, but he topped out at 12 holds that was last season and uh what, what makes you interested in taylor clark in milwaukee mostly just the fact that it's season milwaukee now leaving kansas city um just because we've seen how milwaukee has been a just a factory of turning out really good relievers so let's see what they can do with them um because there's you know Nah, mid 90s 96 95 96 mile per hour fastball slider has shown some potential wonder if they maybe tweak it to be more of a sweeper who knows but i mean he did throw it looks like he did start throwing a sweeper last year um interesting so yeah he's got you know he's got the slider slash sweeper change up he's got a pretty interesting three pitch mix for for a reliever that's because he used to be a starter yeah. for a while so i I mean it's just not anyone to really you know to roster right now but just someone no. a name to keep an eye on because milwaukee um you know traded for him and they see something and that kind of perks my interest you know perks my sure. ears up just seeing that milwaukee wanted wanted to get him for a year yeah, definitely. Um, and just for the listeners, he had a 6.27 ERA last year and a 4.84 XFIP. That's a difference of 1.42 runs. Um, I think we got time for maybe two more. I'll go with Scott McGuff. Um, he was a guy that we talked a lot about last preseason because we figured he had a 
pretty decent shot at being the closer in Arizona. And uh, the, the tenure was pretty tumultuous, very up and down for him in Arizona as there was a time where he was the clear-cut closer there and then lost it and gained it back and lost it again and then struggled for the rest of the season. But it did feel like he was unlucky throughout it, and the ERA estimators would confirm that as he had a 4.90 ERA, but that came with a 3.51 XFIP, a difference of 1.32, 1.38 runs. And I don't want to say that I'm back in on him, especially the – you know, emotion said he put me through last year. I, I just remember he in my home league. I I think I drafted him, and then I maybe somebody else drafted him, and uh, he got a save. And I was really disappointed that I missed out on him. No, no, I nobody drafted him. They picked him up very early on in the season. He got a save, and I was so disappointed because I was like, this guy's not dropping him for the rest of the year. Then he blew a save like right after that, dropped him, and I was like, let's go. I'm picking him up on the low. I picked him up, and he he got a save, and then I think he like blew the next three, and they were all terrible. Like I was watching him live, just throwing pitches right down the middle and getting crushed. Right. And so <laughs> it was it was really difficult to watch, but I still think he's got really decent stuff, and he's tossed seventy in a third innings last year, so he's got the ability to stay healthy. It just really matters how much control he's got over that splitter. Do you think this is a guy that could mm. factor into holds for the Diamondbacks next year? I wouldn't say that it's a super deep bunch. I think he does have the possibility of being the third guy behind Seawald and Ginkle. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely a possibility. Maybe not right out of the gate. I wonder, they probably have a little bit more trust than like Miguel Castro, but um, yeah, if you look, if, if you look at his, you know, his, um, his char is he just like his four seamer just lived in the middle of the plate like it's very mm-hmm. it's just not a good it's not that's not where you want the red to be um <laughs> so yeah it's just it comes down to control com- command over those pitches and you know that might just be a thing that could be one of those things coming over from japan after a while and yeah you know it's different it's different how those you know i think a lot of you know, the philosophy of pitching in Japan is different than it is here. So I think a lot of guys well, work down in the zone more. I think a lot of it is the, the tack, the, the, and the tack ball as well. Yeah. The, yeah. And when you're throwing a splitter, I feel like having that tack on the ball probably helps so much. And that's why so many guys hmm. in Japan do throw a splitter, not just because it's a cultural thing, but I think, you know, the ball probably works is, is better for split splitter for sure so, and not not only just like having the splitter be worse but also just having to make that transition of you know figuring out your splitter and, and trying to, to work it out while also maintaining control of your fastball and everything but uh, yeah we talked about that a lot last year but yeah go ahead no that's i mean that's pretty much you know I think in a year removed, if he can just fix his command, his fastball command definitely, splitter command could definitely be better as well. But um, there's still you know a lot of swing and miss on his splitter and slider last year, so that's does mm-hmm. still keep me a little bit intrigued. But um, not someone I'm interested in holds leagues right off the bat, but someone yeah. in, you know to, just to monitor, see see how things yeah. look. And he's a good ground ball guy in front of a, a great defensive infield. So right. I, I think there's there's still potential in the arm of Scott McGuff. We'll do one more underperformer, Rick. I'll let you choose him. Oh, 
Um, there's a lot of so I there's some other interesting names on this list like Trevor Richards, Fernando Cruz, Gabe Spear, Jojo Romero, AJ Puck, and Yumi Garcia. But I think someone who was got a lot got paid last year uh, was kind of an interest was a very you know top. 20-ish or so holds option to start the year. That's Rafael Montero who got off to a, a horrible start. Um, did pitch better down the stretch for the Astros. I think I'm maybe getting, I'm buying back into him a little bit. Um, again, not as he's not like a holds target in that I'd be targeting right off the bat, but someone to monitor and Probably probably makes my top 100 holds list to begin the year. Um, you know, that bullpen did lose Hector Neris, so there's also there's some more holds options there. I think he's... I like him better than Kendall Graveman. I'll, I would take... I'll take a chance on him over Graveman. So it's really Presley, Abreu, and then it could be Montero, um, depending on, you know, if the Astros added anyone else or not. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a, some great insight there. He really did struggle in the first half, and you can see it in his overall numbers. Is he had a 5.08 ERA alongside a 4.10 xFIP, which was a difference of about one run, 0.98. But if you look at his numbers post All Star break, he looked like you know classic Rafael Montero that earned himself that three-year, $34.5 million contract. He had a 3.10 ERA in the second half, which was 29 innings. Want to guess his strikeout rate during that time? 28%. Ooh, 31%. okay. Yeah. Wow. I, he was back. And uh, that's super interesting because it comes with a, a 20.3% strikeout minus walk ratio. The whip was pretty high at 1.45, but his bad up was 357. You could even say that he was getting unlucky in the second half as well, which is pretty ridiculous considering how good he was. Uh, his FIP was at 3.39. But yeah, Rafael Montero is one that is, you should not count out, especially as you said, with the openings left in that Houston bullpen, allowing him to be you know, the third option there. That's, that's very interesting to think about. But we'll talk about the overperformers next. But first, we're going to take a quick break. And we're back. Jake Crumpler here with Rick Graham on In the Pen. We just talked about underperformers amongst relievers last season. Now we'll talk about overperformers, guys that had ERAs that were well below their expected ERA estimators. Uh, and we'll start off at the top of the top of the list with Tom Cosgrove, who's a lefty from San Diego. He pitched well all season, but it seems that he was very, very lucky. He had a 1.75 ERA. It came with a 4.91 xFIP, a difference of 3.15 runs. Tom Cosgrove likely being pushed out of holds consideration in San Diego mm-hmm. as well with the additions of Matsui, De Los Santos, and, and Go. So I don't know. Do you think Cosgrove has the ability to outperform as he did last year? I know he's a funky pitcher and mm-hmm. it's a lot of weak contact. So he, he's a guy that's looking more of a pitch to contact guy, but it does seem like he was really lucky in that he might be a guy that ends up back in the minors next year. Yeah. He's probably more of a three to four BRA type 
type guy. I I don't I think four point nine one is, is extreme. Um, but so is it one point seven five. So I think it's somewhere in between <laughs> here. Uh, he 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 doesn't miss a lot of bats and yeah, pitch to contact guy. But he did a really good job limiting hard contact last year. Uh, two fifty eight x Wobicon or Xwo Bacon, as we like to call it. Um, <laughs> 24.1% ICR, 1.96 DERA. Um, I, I think that there's still, I'm still kind of interested in him just because, in, and I, you know, I don't like the, the low strikeout guys, but um, just the, the, he is the funkiness and the, the, the ability to limit hard contact is, you know, something that can earn a lot of holds. We see with guys like Tyler Rogers and, you know, it's him being able to pitch multiple days back to back to back, uh, helps out. So I, um, you know, he definitely gets pushed down a little bit with Matsui and go, uh, entering the mix, but I, I think he might be, you know, is he worse than Daniel De Los Santos or Steven Wilson? Maybe he, he might he might be worse off than those two guys, but I, I think those that like trio kind of makes up that next group of relievers in in San Diego, where I think one of them ends up being you know helpful in in holds leagues. Yeah, I, I think you're right that he's probably somewhere in between that ERA and the XFIP because the other ERA estimators don't really agree with XFIP because he's a guy that is really good at getting weak contact. So the quality of contact is not going into XFIP, but it does go into XERA, which had him at 2.52. So I, he can still be pretty decent next year. Um, right. A guy that probably won't be pretty decent as he moves to Detroit, Shelby Milner, Shelby Miller signed with the Tigers earlier this offseason. And while he did have a lot of success with the Dodgers last year that saw him pitch to a 1.76 ERA, came with a 4.53 xFIP a difference of 2.77 runs he is getting up there in age two he's gonna be 33 and it's not like he had success before this it's crazy looking at the numbers from 2018 to 2022 he had an 8.92 era across 79 and two-thirds innings and mm. the xFIP was 5.82 so I mean that's a difference of three runs but he definitely wasn't good um, I don't I there I, he does not get me excited in, in Detroit and especially nope. coming off a season in which he was really lucky. Do you think Miller will be able to sort of carry over the success that he found in LA or, you know, the Tigers or might not be able to help him figure that out again? We, I mean, we talked, we talked about him a little bit last week when, when we had Kyle on and mm-hmm. yeah, I, 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 kind of out on him here it, it it does help i mean detroit's a pretty good pitcher's ballpark for him to land in so mm-hmm. if he is going to reclaim that luck um it might be the place to that 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 he could that that can happen but i yeah i for a lot of reasons i'm just not really interested um in him this season uh there's a chance he he does see holds chance uh, opportunities right away it, from what we've heard from their front office and their coaching staff, it sounds like they're going to give him a, you know, put him in a pretty high leverage drill to begin with. But I don't, I don't know. I'd have to see something different from, from him then. Cause does everything it's different from Cosgrove where we're like, Oh, at least he's limiting hard contact with Miller. There wasn't really a lot to 
get excited about last year. Yeah, I don't know why his XERA is below three, but because his, his hard contact uh, prevention wasn't super incredible. He's not a big ground ball guy. He didn't strike out a bunch of batters. It's sort of right. just like slightly above average across the board with little swinging strikes. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I'm going to be on your side with that one. Probably a guy you stay away from, especially with an increased ADP due to the super low ERA. Another guy with a super low ERA, Hector Neris, 1.71 ERA, 4.45 XFIP, difference of 2.74 runs. He is still unsigned, and he's probably looking for a two-year deal somewhere, and there's mm-hmm. a possibility that he ends up on a team and he's able to close, but I, I don't know. It, it, it's hard to tell when a guy leaves Houston. They, they've been pretty decent with relievers recently, and Hector Neris pitched there for two years and was pretty decent across both of them. It's really funky to look at his 2022 compared to his 2023 because Mm -hmm. in 22, his XFIP was more than a run lower than his XFIP in 2023, but his ERA was two runs higher in 2022 over 2023. So it's like the luck sort of flip-flopped there. But last year, 219 BABIP, he walked a ton of batters. I would sort. I'm sort of skeptical right now of, of him, but it really depends on who he signs with. Yeah, um, and like yeah, like you said, with the last two seasons, it's kind of like just out of, what's the water finds its level, that type of you know that thing. Um, yeah, it's uh, on paper a great season last year with a 1.71 ERA and 1.05 WHIP, but um, the XFIP was a little concerning for sure. I mean, he still sw- he still misses bats at a really high rate, fifteen point four percent strike rate, and did a good job limiting hard contact with a thirty percent ICR. Um, Probably going to come down to the the home runs, right? That's kind of always been that's been Naris's thing, even when he was in Philly. Um, so yeah, maybe if he'd stay out of a ballpark where left field fence isn't like super shallow, maybe if he mm-hmm. watch, he's going to sign with the Red Sox or something, um, <laughs> or Cincinnati. Oh, um, <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I mean, if we interesting, I, I, there's again, one of those guys, there's been absolutely no, I don't think there's been one rumor about him. And this is a guy who had a 1.71 ERA and a 1.05 whip. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I'm more leaning towards that XFIP being high. I, I think he's still a really good reliever, can be a good, good setup man somewhere. I just, uh, depends. It really depends on where he lands. Um, I think, I think he's possibly, you know, kind of kicking himself that he declined. I mean, he had an eight point five million dollar player option. He declined. I wonder. If what he's gonna what he's gonna end up making here that this market's been so slow, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know. We'll 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 see where he ends up. He I wonder if a return to Houston could even begin the cards if nothing else materializes. Sure. Yeah, I don't see why that doesn't work out for them. But we can move on to the next guy. Lucas Sims had a three point one zero ERA last year, but it came with a five point five three xFIP, a difference of two point four three runs. I digged, I dug Sims in the past, but a guy that's just as extreme of a fly ball pitcher as he is, I think he literally mm. had the lowest ground ball rate amongst relievers last year, 25.5% ground 
mind you, Andre Piante was in the 70s, mid-70s. So <laughs> 25% is super low. He, he's just allowing fly balls all all the time and in Great American Ballpark. Right. Not the best place <laughs> to do that. But the guy has been at driveline, I think. He's been at one of them. Oh, and he also walks everybody. Well, that's what I was going to say. He has the worst combo. How did you survive Great American Small Park with a 15% walk rate and a 25% ground ball rate? <laughs> like how? Yeah. Uh, you can put a guy like man. that in, in Seattle or something, but when you put him right. in, in the biggest home run park in all of baseball and you're allowing free base runners, you're going to get killed. He did not. 3.10 ERA is very good, but the estimators are saying, you know, this guy should have given up a ton of home runs and he didn't 6.5% home run to fly ball ratio, which makes no sense. He also had a 215 BABIP. Unless I see something out of him different via his off season workout regimen or whatever he's working on at one of those places that the baseball players go to, to get better. I am probably completely out on him. Yeah. Um, definitely more down on him than I have been in the past. I feel I, yeah, he's always been, um, an exciting kind of, you know, he was hurt for a while, but like 2021, we saw some glimpses, mm-hmm. 76 strikeouts and in 47 innings. Um, you know, last year was definitely, he was super lucky. Um, and that's, you know, it's great to see that he's, you know, trying to you know improve he's improving this this offseason working at tread or driveline or wherever it is um but yeah that 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 year is probably going to go back up unless something does change i you know he did have a he did have a his expected batting average last year was really good 0.177 um 177 i i just think um he just, he's good at limiting hard contact, but I mean, right. the, the fly balls and the walks in Great American Ballpark is just the, the biggest red flag. Yeah, the walks are definitely a, a killer, too. It's, yeah, if, if we, if the swing and miss stuff stays or gets better, I mean, I'll probably get pulled back in just because of a slider, but, you know, it, it was better, it was better than 2022. Um, <laughs> you know, he's getting, he's getting, he had 6.2 innings that year. I know he was, he was hurt all year and yeah. So I, I'm still, he's only 29. I'm not totally out on Sims yet, but yeah, it's, it's not, he used to be in the top 20, 30 of my holds list. I don't think that's going to be where he starts the year. Yeah. All right. Well, the next two guys are honestly really interesting. I'm going to do Bruce Dark Gratterall and Josh Hader. Um, Colin Pochet and Sean Armstrong, two raised guys in between them. I think it's really hard to predict race guys. They they're going right. to figure things out, or or the Rays are going to drop them. Uh, Armstrong had one of the lowest ERAs in baseball, and Pochet has continuously found success with the Rays. But Gratterall is super interesting because he's probably going to go super high in holds leagues, and this is a guy that I've been hyping for many years as a possible closer guy. He has never figured out the strikeout, so he relies super heavily on low BABIPs and weak contact because he's a big ground ball pitcher. He had a 1.24 ERA last year, which was incredible, and a 3.59 XFIP, which is not bad, but that was a difference of 2.35 runs. And, you know, at this point, we're get, we're getting to that point. I think this is la- – last year, I think, was the last year that we held, could have held out hope that he would turn into a strikeout pitcher. I don't okay. think it's ever happening. And he excels in every – 
other facet of pitching outside of swinging strikes. He's not great at limiting hard contact, but you know, he just does not get swings and misses. And that's the best thing you can do as a, a pitcher is get right. a guy to swing and miss. Uh, Cause called strikes are pretty lucky. I, like he, he's going to be a great pitcher, but he's just not going to really uh, attain that ceiling that we've hoped he could attain. And that also just makes him worse in fantasy because the strikeouts aren't going to be there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think 120 is for the ERA is going to be a probably the, the high water marker, low water mark for him uh, career wise. I, I think you're looking at probably a three, a three, the low threes ERA. Uh, he doesn't walk anyone, which is great. So no. you, you, you're probably going to get a whip around one, a low three ERA, or probably under one with the whip. Um, ERA in the low threes, and then you know a couple strikeouts here and there, and fifteen <laughs> to fifteen to twenty five holds or saves. I mean, that's like that's not bad. I mean, that is what it is. It's just it's it's kind of I don't know. Well, there's there's definitely value in that and knowing that he's one of the safer options it's just you know i like to kind of shoot for a little higher strikeout upside because if it's just a you know if it's an era of one and a 3.3 era and 20 holds or whatever i mean i if i'm only getting what do you have for strikeouts last year 48 strikeouts 18.7 percent like yeah i can probably you know get someone with 75 strikeouts who does the same things you know later i mean trevor mcgill for just off the top of my head someone who probably is probably going to go later in drafts and probably be a better holds option yeah his uh his fantasy value is heavily reliant on the way the dodgers use him if he's not the top setup guy he falls down the ranks a lot and he's basically just andre payante just you know, yeah. Um, but we'll move on to Josh Hader, I think, because he is one of the biggest unsigned stars so far in free agency, and he's clearly the top closer on the market. We'll, we won't get into the Bob, Steve, Josh Hader discussion right now. Um, but Hader was uh, the one of the best relievers in baseball for the first five years of his career. The past couple of years have been interesting. The strikeouts are still there. He's still incredibly dominant. But in 2022, he really struggled in the second half, leading to a 5.22 ERA. It was clearly unlucky. But this last year, it was sort of the opposite, as he had a 1.28 ERA, a 3.52 XFIP, a difference of 2.24 runs. And while I don't think there's been a drop-off in the skills, I think batters may just finally be figuring him out. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know what it is. It, it's, it's sort of hard to tell because he has been so consistent across the seven years he's been in baseball. Do you think once he signs with his new team that there's the possibility that in his first year there, he has troubles Mm -hmm. adjusting to his new situation and, you know, living up to the big numbers that he gets in his contract. And then also sort of trying to continue to underperform his ERA estimators. I mean, there's obviously a lot to like in in the profile. Um, Still, Still gets, you know, a ton of strikeouts, is mm-hmm. still able to miss bats. Um, even when it came to hard contact, he was better last year uh, than he had been in the past. But there is still he, there is still an issue with hard contact with him and home runs allowed. It's yep. 
you know, it's partially due to his, you know, his approach, I think. Um, and also just, you know, the, you know, dude, the walks are also a thing that I don't know if I want to commit, you know, a hundred million dollars to a reliever who, who's going to walk 13% of hitters. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Especially someone who's going to be in their thirties and the stuff's going to start to tick downward. And it, it's just, it's very buyer beware situation here with him. And yeah, it depends on where he, he lands, but there's a lot of times, I mean, he, he did, he did struggle a little bit in San Diego when he first got there. It's, um, you know, going to a new place, new, new teammates, new ballpark, new everything. It, it can, you know, throw guys off a little bit. So I would, I'm pretty much staying away from him this year. Um, there's other options I like better around that same, that same, you know, ADP. So I am going to take the year off on Josh Hader. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where he lands and if he's able to, you know, kind of build back to, I guess we're never going to see one. We're not going to see 2021 again from him, but I, but I mean, if you're somewhere between, you know, ZRA. You know, I think yeah. 2020, just over a full season, it's possible. Right. That's something like that seems possible, likely for him. It's kind of been like two extremes for him over the past couple of years. It's, mm-hmm. but yeah, like you said, 20, 2020, 2019 seems more in line with probably, yeah, with, with what we should expect from him moving forward. Yeah, I think he'll always be a top 10 closer just because of the, the strikeouts and, and likely the, the role that he's in, but you know, a, an Emmanuel class a esque 2023 or 2024 for yeah. here, but class a last year where it just felt like he never got things right while he was still right. saving ball games. And, you know, class a is a much lower tier of, of strikeout arm, but yeah, if haters more of a, a three and a half year, a, like his ex suggests, and you know, there's, there's some, waves you know where he's going up and down throughout the season it could be pretty stressful i i would still suggest people draft him but probably not where he's likely to go because once he signs i'm sure his adp is going to skyrocket again and i wouldn't be surprised if he's going off the board as the number two closer i i feel like even with him unsigned it's i it's been seeing him in like the top three four closers off the board yeah no, so, I just mean like yeah. they, there's even more hype once a guy signs. Right, right. Like just yeah. because uh, being on a new team, being in the news cycle, all that kind of stuff. True, yeah. All right. Well, I think we have time for one more overperformer. Rick, I'll let you choose. Oh, there's so many good ones on this list. Um, <laughs> we, could, we could do a rapid fire if you want. I'll look. Okay, so the, the rest, of, there's some other names on this list that are you know, in the two to one point six nine range when it comes to nice. X fit minus <laughs> minus ERA, such as Abner Rebe, um, David Bednar, interesting one, Chris Martin, Hobie Milner, James Karinchek, Kendall Graveman, Wandy Peralta, interesting names there. Uh, but let's talk about since we talked about someone potentially taking this guy's role, uh, Jose Leclerc had a 2.68 ERA last year and a 4.72 XFIP. Um, so yeah. And, and 
you know, he started off slow. We, I kind of mentioned that earlier, but mm-hmm. he was different. He was, he was a different pitcher in September and in the playoffs. And he really did, you know, he carried them to the finish line and spores kind of took them over it. Apparently, like, you know what I mean? So it's like, uh, as much as he was old, a little bit overrated last year, Leclerc. I, I I think he, you know, the fact that he got right towards the end of the season is, you know, that's encouraging. But I still, uh, as someone who's loved Leclerc in the past, I think I, depending on the discount, I, I think I'm probably not going to draft get a lot of get a, get a lot of shares this year. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I don't think there will be any discount because you have that, that playoff yeah. tax. He was one of the guys that I that I wrote up for that. Yeah, and I've seen him. I mean, I would have to double check, but I, he's been kind of sneaking inside the top 200, I want to say, um, of some of some early drafts. So yeah, I don't. I think that's a little too. There's too much too much risk there um, mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and his sort of profile is so similar to Lucas Sims. While he's not in Great American Small Park, that high walk rate of 12% last year right. with a 31% ground ball rate is just a terrible combination. It's like orange juice and toothpaste. <laughs> it's it's always going to be terrible. And it, it just all comes down to home run to fly ball rate. And last year, 7%. The year before, 7.5%. And both of those years, XFIPs were almost two runs above the ERA. So I, I think this is a guy to be wary of. If you're not getting a massive discount, which I really, really doubt is going to happen because of the playoff tax and because he pitched so well the last two years when he was on the mound, I don't think there's going to be any discount. And I think there's just such a huge possibility that, as you mentioned multiple times, slow starter, he could lose the job within the first few weeks of the season. And then mm-hmm. you've sort of wasted a, a pick inside the top 200, which is super valuable, especially if you're in 15 teamers. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I honestly would rather draft spores with just the possibility that he maybe becomes the closer and you're locked into holds either way than I would draft Leclerc inside the top 200. Yeah, he's been just real quick looking this up on some quick NFBC ADPs um, since December. He's been going around 215 in the Alex Lang, Jose Alvarado kind of grouping. Uh, Carlos Estevez also in there. Not the just the worst part of the draft. The <laughs> yeah, closers. I would avoid. I'll take a shot on Alvarado. Sure. Um, yes. Maybe Lang, but that's still high for Lang for me too. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, it's not the grass. You, you really don't want to don't want to be there getting your second yeah. closer. Get him but, earlier. Um, get him late. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not in the middle. <laughs> no. Well, yeah. uh, I think that's a pretty good breakdown of the underperformers and overperformers. I'll do a, a quick rundown of the names we mentioned. Guys that underperformed last year, Aaron Bummer, Josh Spores, Brad Hand, Joe Kelly, uh, Taylor Clark, Scott McGuff, and then we mentioned Rafael Montero. And the overperformers, guys that were very lucky last year, Tom Cosgrove, Shelby Miller, Hector Neris, Bruce Dargraderall, Lucas Sims, Josh Hader, and Jose Leclerc. Uh, but that will wrap up this episode of In the Pen. Rick, tell the listeners where they can find you on social media and what kind of work we should be expecting from you in the next couple of weeks. 
yeah you can find me on twitter at i am rick graham um i'm currently working on getting my um you know picture list opening day uh rankings together so you know when we you know believe it's february 6 is when we open are we you know launch the new site that will be that, that will have all my reliever rankings holds close uh saves lists as well as saves plus holds so yeah working on those right now getting a jump on that and yeah hopefully, hopefully have that ready in the next month because there's a lot to dive all into right. there hopefully we get some yeah. more signings because exactly. like exactly I need to know where people are gonna gonna be. That would be nice. That would be very helpful. Thank you. Yeah, yes, definitely. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jake Crumpler. You can follow the pod on Twitter at In the Pen Pod. I've got a couple articles that I think are coming out next week. One of them is going to be hot second half hitters, hot in in terms of their performance, and uh, also. I think one of the sleepers and bus article, I forget which team it's for, but I did just break down the players that benefited the most from the rules changes and what it means for next year. That's a a pretty interesting read because I did write up that same article last off season. So I was able to Mm. look at my previous, you know, what, what the consensus was about who might benefit the most prior to the rule changes and then look at, you know, who actually benefited and what it means for fantasy drafters going into next season. So go make sure to check that out and check out all of the other work on pitcherlist.com. Sign up for PL pro and PL plus. We've got a huge season of fantasy baseball and baseball content over at pitcherlist for all of our fans out there, but we'll talk to you all next week.